I always look forward to Family Sunday, don't you? It's always great to have the kids in the service. Yes, one more hand for our kids. Love it. Well, we welcome you here to C1NAS. So glad that you're here. You guys look well-rested. Looks like you had an extra hour of sleep. So I just decided that since everybody's had an hour, extra hour of sleep, I'll just preach an extra hour just to balance you out. You look a little off-kilter, so I figure I can just straighten you out right here. Uh, we're thankful that you are here this morning. Today we're beginning a new season called New Horizons. This new series called New Horizons. And in this new series, we're going to be looking at how we, as the people of God, are called to act in times of change. When our lives shift, when the unexpected arises, when we get that phone call or that email that just rocks our world, how are we, as the people of God, called to navigate it? Maybe you are someone who hates change. Maybe you're like me. Maybe you're someone who hates change. You eat at like the same four restaurants um, every month, and whenever you eat at those restaurants, you tend to order the same thing. You make your coffee the same way. You sit in the same pew. You grab the same type of donut after service. You keep the same phone because you don't want to have to learn how to use a new one. Maybe in your house you have a favorite chair that you always tend to sit in and you never sit anywhere else. If you're like me, you don't like change, so you just pretty much well do the same thing every day. Do we have anybody else like that here this morning who just really don't like change? We hate it when one day we go to our favorite store that we know like the back of our hand and then all of a sudden they decide just to change everything around. Has that ever happened to anybody else? One day you walk in and one, your shelf you know is usually right here is on the clear other side of the store. We hate when that happens. Or maybe when you have your favorite restaurant and it's right here nearby but then they move it over to the west side all the way over by the interstate and now I have to drive five extra minutes just to get over there. Has that ever happened to anybody? Can anybody relate to me? Maybe if you live on the west side, you're thankful for that change. But... Or when you go to order the same thing at the restaurant and you open the menu and all of a sudden they took your favorite item off the menu, right? When there's construction on your way to work and you have to go around it and go a different way. When someone sits in your pew, when someone parks in your space... Those are small changes that can occur in our daily lives. But when it comes to big, big changes, those are a little different. When big changes come, come, it gets uncomfortable. They raise a lot of different questions, many of which we cannot answer. Big changes cause anxiety. We worry. We feel like our whole world is being thrown upside down whenever big changes enter our life. But the fact of the matter is, is that change is going to happen whether we like it or not. And not just these small changes, but big changes are bound to come your way. No matter how old you are or how long you've been doing the same thing, big changes are always coming. It's just a part of life. So the question that we have to ask ourselves is when changes occur, when we're faced with new horizons, what are we going to do? And to answer that question, just like the kids helped me illustrate this morning, we're going to be looking at the book of Joshua. So you might want to go ahead and open there. We're going to be beginning in chapter 3. You might remember in the first few books of the Bible, it talks about the Israelites, the people of God. And these were a people who were meant to be God's reflection on earth. 
They were going to renew the world from the inside out. God made a covenant with them, and, and he said that he would be their God if, if they would be his people, and they had to be holy and obedient, and they were set apart for, for God's plan. But as we know, all too quickly, the Israelites fought, fail in that plan, and they find themselves in Egyptian captivity. And we know the story with Moses' help. He's able to, uh, with God's help, Moses is able to lead the Israelites out of Egypt, brings them to a place named Mount Sinai, and Moses gets the Ten Commandments, the law by which the people of God are to live by. And then God tells Moses, he says, take them to the land that I've promised you. And so Moses takes the people of God, and they're going to the promised land, but again, they fail in the plan, and they fall out of relationship with God, and so they end up just wandering around in the desert for 40 years. And I think it's interesting, after the 40-year period, the Israelites finally are going to enter into the land that was promised them. God comes to Moses, and this is what he said. He says, look at the promised land. He says, this is the land to which I swore to Abraham and to Isaac and Jacob, saying, this I will give to your descendants. And he says to Moses, he's like, I've let you see the the promised land with your own eyes, but you're not going to cross over there. And it was there in Scripture that Moses dies. And suddenly the Israelites are left without a leader. A season of change falls upon them. Before it was 40 years of the same old, same old. 40 years of just wandering in the desert with Moses as their leader. And then all of a sudden Moses dies and change wrecks the Israelites. And this is just how quickly that change can enter our lives. One moment things are normal, then the next everything's thrown out of whack. But I love the way that scripture describes Moses' death. If you look in the book of Deuteronomy, listen to what it says. It says, Then Moses, the servant of the Lord, died there in the land of Moab. But then it continues on. It says, He died there in the land of Moab at the Lord's command. Moses died at the Lord's command. You see, what this tells me is that God was not surprised by Moses' death. While the Israelites may have been surprised, while change may be entering their lives, they don't know what to do, God was not surprised. He was not moved. The change and the unease and the craziness of our lives has no effect on God. Aren't you glad? God is not surprised when change comes our way. God was not moved by the death of Moses, but instead he appointed Joshua as the new leader of the Israelites. And it was going to be Joshua who was going to finally lead the Israelites into the promised land. And that's where we find ourselves today. We're in, looking in chapter 3. They're being led by Joshua. And the only thing separating the Israelites from the promised land is the river Jordan. So read with me, beginning chapter 3, verse 3. It says this. Early in the morning, Joshua rose and set out from Shittim with all the Israelites, and they came to the Jordan. They camped there before crossing over. At the end of the three days, the officers went through the camp and commanded the people, when you see the Ark of the Covenant of your Lord being carried by the Levitical priests, then you shall set out from your place. Follow it so that you may know the way you should go, for you have not passed this way before." The first thing I want you to notice about this passage of Scripture is that the Israelites, they were stepping in to the unknown. The priests, they come into the camp. 
They say, go, follow the Ark of the Covenant, and that's the Ark is the sacred object that represents the presence of the Lord. Why do the Israelites need to follow it? Well, the priests say, you need to follow the Ark because you need to know which way to go. They say, you need to follow the Ark because you've not passed this way before. You see, for the Israelites, this was uncharted territory. This was somewhere that the Israelites had never been before. This is something they've never done. And after a 40-year-long wait, they were finally going to enter into the promised land, but they didn't know which way to go. You have never passed this way before. The Israelites were stepping in to the unknown. And the fact of the matter is, is that when change enters our life, it may seem as if everything is disappearing before our eyes. It's as if we have lost our way. We don't know up from down. We don't know what to do, how to react, what to say. And we, just like the Israelites, have not passed this way before. We step into a lot of unknowns. We step into a lot of questions. But the priests tell the Israelites, even though you don't know the way to go, even though you're stepping into the unknown, you have the Lord your God to guide you. You don't need to know the way. Can I say that again this morning? You don't need to know the way. You don't need to have a map. You don't need to know the end game. You don't even know, need to know which direction to take. Why? Because God is leading you. God's saying, I'm going before you. I am with you. God says, just follow me. When we don't know the way, our God does. When we don't know the words to say, our God will give them to us. Many times the change and the circumstances we face can blind us from the path that we're meant to take. But it's in those moments that we just need to get down on our knees, get into his presence, and seek his face. In those moments of change when we have not passed this way before, when we're stepping into the unknown, it's in those moments that we need to look to where God is leading us. I thought about the fact that I know so many people who have simply lived their lives wandering. Do you know people like that? There are so many people in our world today who simply live their whole entire lives just wandering, just like the Israelites were wandering in the desert for 40 years. We all know people who, who, people who are simply just wandering their way through life, never knowing which way to go or what to do. But I don't think it's ever God's intention to let us wander. I don't think he wants us to be lost in life, simply guessing which way to go. I don't think he wants us to live our lives impulsively or just flying by the seat of our pants. But I believe that God truly wants to lead us. He wants us to follow him to the next destination and the next and the next. It doesn't matter how old or young you may be, God has a plan for you. God has a plan for you. He has a destination that he's calling you to. He is leading ahead of you and he's asking you to follow. But my question for you is this. What would happen today if you simply stopped and you just asked God, where are you leading me? Where do you want me to go? God, anything you say, I don't care about the cost. I don't care about the embarrassment. I don't care about what might happen. I just want to follow you. What would happen if you prayed that prayer 
this morning. It may mean change. It may mean unknown. I'm sure there'll be questions. I'm sure there'll be discomfort. And there may even be embarrassment and disapproval of others. But the great thing is that God is leading you. And I believe that when we are being led by someone, when, when, when we're being led by God, two things have to happen. If someone is leading you, the first thing is, is that they have to go before you. They've got to be in front of you. It's in these times of change when we can be assured that no matter where God leads us, no matter where he's pushing us towards, our God is going before us. God, my, my, God may be calling us into the unknown, but never without his spirit guiding us. He goes before us. He prepares the way. He supplies our needs. He's getting rid of obstacles and difficulties. He's pushing things out of your path that you will never even know about because he's going before you in those moments. He's clearing the path so that you won't stumble, so you're not hurt. And that should give you peace. That should calm some of your anxieties. When you enter into seasons of difficulty and change, God's already been there. God's already been there. He's already prepared the way. It's like it's been said countless numbers of times throughout the past few weeks is that God goes before us and he supplies a measure of grace that we need in those moments of difficulty and change to which he is calling us. He went before us and he supplied the grace that we were going to need before we even got there. No matter what change rocks your world or what darkness falls upon your path, you can be assured that Jesus' footprints are already on the ground. He's went before you. He's guided you there. Your God goes before you. He's not surprised. He's not worried. He's simply waiting for you to follow and to trust and to lean and to rest in him. That's the first thing that we have to do if we're following someone. The second thing that you have to do is that you have to keep your eyes fixed on the person you're following. How many people have ever been following someone else in a car, and you're in another car, and you have to follow them to a destination, but then all of a sudden, the light turns red and you get separated from them? Has that ever happened to anybody? It seems to happen to me just about every time I follow someone in a car. It's just my luck, I guess. But what happens in those moments? When we're following those people in our car, and we're separated by the light, we have to keep our eyes fixed on the car as it keeps going. We have to look around the car in front of us. We have to strain our neck. We have to keep our eyes on them so that we know if they take a turn, we need to take that turn too. Or if they keep going, we need to keep going. We have to keep our eyes fixed on the car we're following. And the same thing is, the same thing is true of God in times of change and unknown. It can become easy to lose focus on him. All too easily, we can fix our eyes on our situations and our questions and our doubts. We can become so fixated on all the things that tend to rock our boat in times of change that we forget to keep our eyes fixed on him. We forget to keep our eyes fixed on the one that goes before us. The Israelites knew that no matter what happened on their trek to the promised land, they had to keep their eyes fixed on the Ark of the Covenant. That's how they were gonna know which way to go. They had to keep their eyes fixed on God. He would provide the way, he would provide the path, but they couldn't lose focus, and neither can we. It's in moments of change and on the verge of horizons that it becomes important that we keep our eyes fixed on Jesus Christ. 
God, no matter what happens, no matter what I face or changes that come my way, I choose to keep my eyes fixed on you. I choose to look to you to supply my needs, to supply the grace I need. God, no matter where you lead, I will keep my eyes fixed upon you. The Israelites were stepping into the unknown, but they could be assured that their God was going before them. They just had to keep their eyes fixed upon him. A few weeks ago, it was a busy week for both Annie and I, and something happened that hasn't really happened to Annie and I since we got married. And um, it was that Annie, Annie had a busy week, and so she wasn't able to go to the grocery store. So she needed me to go on my day off. The problem was is that I've never been to Kroger without Annie by my side. And when I go to Kroger, here's my job. Annie does the shopping, and I go to Starbucks, and I get us drinks, and then I spend about the next 45 minutes trying to find my wife. That's my job. I can never find her in there. That's what I've done. So I don't really know the intricacies of Kroger or where everything is. So whenever Annie gave me this task to go shopping on my own, I knew I was going to be doing a lot, lot, lot of wandering. But Annie knew this about me. She knew this fact and so this is what she gave me. Daryl, I think I see it in my first picture, but yeah, there we go. This is what she gave me. You may have seen this on Facebook, but on the back side of that page is like a complete list of everything I need. And I looked at that and I was like, oh my gosh, I'm never gonna find anything. Then I flip it over and she has made an accurate floor plan for the Kroger store, okay? Like she has like the aisles broken down. She like she even tells me which door to go in. Like that's awesome. And so she like has an arrow and it says, okay, first you want to get the milk, all right? This is the most like efficient path you can take to be done in, the, in an efficient manner. Like she, she planned the whole thing out for me. But notice that she kind of like curved me around Starbucks. Like she wanted to keep me away from there if, I, if, I wasn't, if she wasn't with me. So this is what she gave me. And all of a sudden all my anxieties and my worries went away. Why? Why is this important? Because for me, the grocery store was a huge, huge, huge unknown. But thank goodness, I had an expert who went before me. I had an expert who knew the way, who could help me, and who gave me the wisdom that I needed to do what I was calling, being called to do. That's what Annie did. And if Annie wouldn't have given me the map, I can tell you for sure, I would have been doing a lot of wandering but Annie gave me something to follow. In our, per, in our lives today, it may be time to stop wandering, and it may be time to start following. God, in this season of change, as we step into the unknown, we just say, God, I want to do your will. God, I want you to lead, and I will go. Anywhere you tell me anything you want me to do, I will do. No matter the cost, God, lead me in your will. For we know that even in the unknown, he goes before us and we will follow. Let's continue reading. Verse 14 says this. When the people set out from their tents to cross over the Jordan, the priests bearing the Ark of the Covenant were in front of the people. Now the Jordan overflows all its banks throughout the time of harvest. So when those who bore the Ark had come to the Jordan and the feet of the priests bearing the Ark were dipped in the edge of the water, the waters flowing from above stood still, rising in a single heap far off at Adam, the city that is beside Zarethan. 
while those flowing towards the sea of Arabah, the Dead Sea, were wholly cut off. Then the people crossed over opposite Jericho, while all Israel were crossing over on dry ground. The priests who bore the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord stood on dry ground in the middle of the Jordan until the entire nation finished crossing. So it's just after there is this huge change. It's just after God leads the Israelites into the unknown. If we allow God to go before us and we keep our eyes fixed on him, I believe we, like the Israelites, will be stepping in to wonders. If you believe that we still serve a wonder-working God, will you say amen? I believe that today. I don't think that wonders were something that was just reserved for the Israelites, but I believe that our God is still in the wonder-working business. In fact, I believe that it's in the midst of change, in the midst of the unknown, it's on the verge of new horizons that God works his best wonders. God was calling the Israelites into uncharted territory And he brings them to the Jordan River. And it's flood season, so the waters are flowing pretty fast. And if anyone was to step foot into the Jordan, they would surely be swept away. But God commands those who bore the ark just to dip their foot into the edge of the water. And when they did this, their feet never even got wet. They touched dry ground. And mirroring the miracle at, at the Red Sea, God splits the Jordan in half. The Israelites were able to walk through on dry ground. God works a wonder in the midst of the unknown and the change that the Israelites were facing. Many times in the midst of change, I think that we can feel like all hope is lost. We feel like there's no point. We try to solve our problems using logic in our own minds, but it never seems to work out. We feel like our resources are spent, and and at the end of the day, sometimes we just put our heads down and say, man, I just got to get through this season. We feel like the Jordan is separating us from the promised land. No hope, nothing we can do. That's how we feel. But we forget that God can still work wonders in the midst of your most impossible circumstances. Miracles still happen and God's still powerful. God is still working. Even though you're standing on the foot of a roaring Jordan, God hasn't given up and neither should you. He's still got wonders to do. I think that probably the hardest thing that the people who were holding the ark had to do was to take that first step into the Jordan. That had to be the hardest thing. Looking at their foot, just hovering over the roaring waters that were passing underneath and knowing they had to take that first step must have been intimidating. It had to have been scary. But they took the first step and they trusted in Yahweh to perform the wonder. They were literally stepping in to the wonder. Too often I think that we pray for God to do the wonder first so that we can take our step of faith. Let me say that again. I think that too often we pray that God would do the wonder first so that then we can take our step of faith. We pray like, God, separate this Jordan so that I can walk right through it. God, get everything ready, get everything set, just provide everything there, and then I'll take my first step in following you. God, set up the mattress, set up the feathers, set up the pillow, set up the trampoline, and then I'll take my leap of faith. But I think that many times God is just waiting for us just to take that first step before he's going to work his wonder. 
And it's in those moments when we're taking that step, we have to do what the Israelites were doing. Think about it. Who had to step into the Jordan first? The priests. And they were holding the Ark of the Covenant on their shoulders, right? The Ark of the Covenant is right by their heads. And if you look at Scripture, it tells us that everyone else, all the other Israelites, had to stand a thousand yards away from the Ark of the Covenant. They couldn't get near it. They had to be way back there. And it was only the priests who were able to be so near to God. And so when it comes to stepping in to the Jordan, they were as close to God as they could possibly be. God may be calling you to step in the Jordan so that he can work wonders in your life, but he's not asking you to do it alone. I think the beauty of what Christ did on the cross is that we no longer have to carry the ark of God's presence, but now sometimes it's God who carries us. We have to get as close as possible to God. We have to get into his presence, draw near to him, and then he'll be right there next to us when we take that step of faith into the Jordan. As I thought about this verse, I thought about to a few summers ago when Annie and I took Annabelle to the swimming pool. This was just a few summers ago. We took her to the public swimming pool, and this was before Annabelle was super, a super confident swimmer. She was taking some lessons, but she could only tread water for a little bit. She couldn't really stay above that long. And so we told Annabelle, we said, hey, we're going to take you to the pool, but we're going to kind of stay over here in the kiddie pool. It's where the water comes like maybe up to her waist and she can play there and it's safe. And so we brought her there and Annie and I sat off to the side while she played. But I could tell she was kind of getting bored and she was ready to go. And so she came up to me and Annie and she said, hey, can we go in the adult pool? Like I know how to swim now. And I was like, you don't, like you're not really ready yet, Annabelle. I was like, okay, if we go, you need to stay right next to me and Annie so we can help you. And so she agreed. So we went over to the adult-sized swimming pool, and Annie and I got in, and I, as I, I had my back turned, and as I turned around, I see Annabelle just running towards me, and she jumps over my head and into the pool behind me. If you know Annabelle, this is totally in character. She's great. I love her. So she jumped over my head and landed in the pool, right? And she was able to tread water for a little bit, and she came up, and she was treading, and so me and Annie helped her to the edge of the pool, But there's sometimes in my life that I feel a lot like Annabelle. God's calling us into a a bigger pool, and we know we're not going to be able to swim. We know it's going to be difficult. We We know that we can't keep our heads above water for long. But God's saying to us, it's okay. Just stay near to me. And my prayer today is that when we hear God saying that to us, we will have the same reaction that Annabelle did. We won't hesitate. We won't think about it. But when God's calling us somewhere, somewhere, we take 10 steps back and we run full force and jump in, all in, do a cannonball of faith. But the difference between Annabelle going to the big pool on her own and going with Annie and I is that she had to stay near to us. And that gave her the courage to take that first leap, knowing that Annie and I would help her, knowing that Annie and I would carry her, and we'd provide everything she needs. My question for you is this. Do you want to see wonders in times of change? Do you want to see God work wonders in your circumstance? Even when you've lost all hope, and the Jordan's cutting you off from the promised land, God wants to work wonders in the midst of your life. 
and in the midst of this church. But we have to draw near to him and allow him to carry us through that step of faith. Let's continue on. We're going to move over into chapter 4. When the entire nation had finished crossing over the Jordan, the Lord said to Joshua, Select twelve men from the people of one of each tribe and command them, Take twelve stones from here, carry them out to the middle of the Jordan, from the place where the priest's feet stood. Carry them over with you and then lay them down the place where you camp tonight. Then Joshua summoned the twelve men from the Israelites who he had appointed, one from each tribe. Joshua said to them, Pass Pass on before the ark of the Lord your God into the middle of the Jordan. Each of you take a stone upon your shoulder, one from each of the tribe of the Israelites, so that this may be a sign among you. When your children ask in time to come, what do these stones mean to you? Then you shall tell tell them that the waters of the Jordan were cut off in front of the ark of the covenant of the Lord. When it crossed over the Jordans, the water of the Jordans were cut off. So these stones shall be to the Israelites a memorial forever. I think that also the Israelites in this book of Joshua were stepping into remembrance. God brings the entire nation of Israel through the Jordan, and he commands the 12 leaders of each tribe to grab a stone from the middle of the Jordan right by the priest's feet. And these aren't small stones. Scripture tells us that they had to carry them on their shoulders. These are big rocks, And God tells them to carry these rocks and take them to where they're camping that night and pile them in a pile. And that pile of rocks is going to be a moment, a memorial of remembrance that will remind you and your children and your children's children of what I did here today. He's saying, you cannot forget the wonder I've just worked. He's saying, this is important. And as I thought about this, I thought about the fact, like, why did God have them build this monument at this point in their lives. Like, God had performed so many wonders. He performed so many miracles for the Israelites, but this was the one that God wanted them to remember. And I thought about that. And I thought about maybe the fact is that God knew the Israelites were going into the promised land, and they might be tempted to get comfortable. They may be tempted to try and live on their own. They may be tempted to forget God and what he's done. Now that they've crossed into the Jordan, They found themselves through a time of change and through the unknown. God wanted them to be intentional about remembering who he is and what he's done. And I think about how many of us have done much of the same. We pray for something and we we go to seek God on behalf of someone or something and we pray. And then God answers that prayer, but sometimes we forget to even thank him for answered prayer. We forget to praise him for the fact that he actually did what we asked him to do. Our minds move on to the next thing, and we simply forget to thank him. We forget to praise him for parting the Jordans in our life. As I was preparing for this message, I thought about just over the past week, I prayed many different prayers about many different things, conversations I was going to have, difficult things that I was facing, and God provided some of those things. And as I was studying for this message, and I came to this part in my sermon, I looked at that and I was like, God, like I've already forgotten, and I'm writing about it. Like, you've answered the prayers even this week, and I forgot to thank them, thank you for them. It becomes so easy for us to simply forget and move on to the next thing. And this is why God wanted the Israelites to be intentional about remembering. When God comes through, we have to build these monuments in our lives that will remind us of God's faithfulness. 
I think that this is important, not only because we can continue to know that, in, uh, that God is praiseworthy and, 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 and he's worthy of glory, but we can look at these monuments when we're going through times of unknown, we're going through difficult circumstances, and we can say, God, if you were faithful then, you're going to be faithful in my situation even now. God, if you split the Jordan then, I believe you're going to split the Jordan I'm facing today. And I don't know what that monument looks like. I don't, I don't know uh, how you choose to be intentional about remembering what God has done for you. But in, in, in me and Annie's house, this is what we've done. We have two signs, and they have our favorite verse on them. And it's from Samuel, the book of Samuel, and it says this, Thus far the Lord has helped us. And one is a painting that Kendra painted for us, and the other one is a woodwork that sits above our front door as you leave. And these are in our house for two reasons. It's so that we, we can give God praise for even how he's answered prayer throughout that week. That when we see these signs, we think about like, hey God, you were faithful once again. You brought us through this once again. And, and for that, I give you praise. But these are in our house for another reason. It's because Annie and I have, go through some tough things. We face difficulties just like anybody. We, have, we face situations and circumstances we weren't expecting. And it's in the midst of those circumstances when we enter into our house, we see these, and we think, man, God, you've helped us so far. I don't think you're going to leave us now. We have to be intentional about remembering. I went to another church, and I filled in for a pastor there who was on vacation. And I remember when I walked in on their communion table, they had two big glass jars. And on one, there was a label that said, prayers asked. And on the other one was a, prayer, uh, a, a label that said, prayers answered. And there were a bunch of rocks all over the communion table. And what this church would do is when they asked a prayer of God, they would drop it in the prayer request jar. And then when it was answered, they would move it over. And this was an intentional way for the church, not only to see like, wow, God's been faithful. Look at all those answered prayers. Like he is good and give him praise. But I'm sure that also whenever they face difficult circumstances and they drop that rock in the prayer request jar, they can look over at the prayers answer jar and think, God, you were good then. You're gonna be good today. It's an intentional way of remembering. And I don't know what that looks like for your family. Maybe that should be a conversation that you have. How are we going to be intentional about this? But my prayer is that this church, in times of change, will cling to the faithfulness of God. We've seen him answer prayers in the past, and he has not failed us yet, has he? God's not failed us yet. We have to remember all that he's done, give him thanks, and then use that remembrance to fuel our faith to move on to where God is calling us. Let's step into remembrance today. The final thing I want to share with you is that the Israelites stepped into the promised land. The nation of Israel had passed through the Jordan, and they're in the promised land, but there's still a group of people who haven't made it in yet. Look at chapter 4, verse 10. The priest who bore the ark remained standing in the middle of the Jordan, until everything was finished that the Lord commanded Joshua to tell the people, according to all that Moses had commanded Joshua. The people crossed over in haste, and as soon as all the people had finished crossing over, the ark of the Lord and the priests crossed over in front of the people. The Reubenites, the Gadites, and half the tribe of Manasseh crossed over armed before the Israelites, as Moses had ordered them. About 40,000 armed for war crossed over before the Lord in the plains of Jericho for battle. On that day, the Lord exalted Joshua in the sight of all Israel. They stood in awe before him as they stood in awe of Moses all the days of his life. 
the Lord said to Joshua, Command the priests who bear the Ark of the Covenant to come out of the Jordan. Joshua therefore commanded the priests, Come out of the Jordan. Then the priests bearing the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord came out from the middle of the Jordan, and the soles of the, feet, the priests' feet touched the dry ground. The waters of the Jordan returned to their place and overflowed all its banks as before. The priest stood in the middle of the Jordan until all of Israel had passed through, and there were none left to cross. And then God called out to Joshua and said, Command the priests who have the Ark of the Covenant to come up out of the Jordan. Now the verb that God uses here, this verb that says that means come up, is pronounced nathak. Everybody say nathak. Like it's a very forceful verb, so when you say it like nathak, it's like not, it doesn't have that force. Everybody say nathak. Very good. Thank you, kids. Appreciate it. So this is a very specific and vivid verb that God uses here. And it means more than just simply come up. It means more than that. Literally, this verb means to pull or to tear away or to draw out. There's like a straining in this verb, and and there's a difficulty to this verb. And for some reason, it shows that it wasn't easy for the priests to come up out of the Jordan. A lot of people have guesses as to why this might be, but nobody really knows for sure. But I think that we can learn something from this picture of the priests literally having to tear themselves out of the Jordan. I think that so many times in our life, whenever God works wonders, when we're in seasons of spiritual victory, spiritual success, when everything seems to be going great, our needs are cared for, my family's happy, I'm happy, I think it's in those moments we just want to stand in the Jordan for just a little while longer. We just want to stay fixed in place where we're comfortable, where we've seen God work, where it seems like good things are happening, where our world is at peace. Our feet are comfortably fixed in place. But maybe God is calling to us today and he's saying, come out from the Jordan. I know it's hard. I know it's difficult. I know you're comfortable, but it's time to tear yourself away. And many times we say, God, I really like it here. You're working wonders. Everything's going well. Like, it just seems like we have a good thing going here. But God says again, like, come out of the Jordan. Walk into the land I've promised you. But God, there's a lot in the promised land I don't know about. Got a lot of questions about that. I feel pretty comfortable right here in the Jordan. It's here I think that you'll protect me. And back and forth we argue with God. So often when things are going well, when we feel most comfortable, we want to stay put. We want to stay in the good old days where things are going well, where nothing ever changes, where everything stays the same. But the thing about God is that he's always calling us into something better. He's always calling us into something more. He's always calling us into the next promised land. And sometimes it means we have to pry ourselves out of the Jordan and step into the promised land. Step into the better. Step into the more. But it can be a prying. It can be a pulling. It can be painful. And sometimes it can even hurt. But when God calls us out of the Jordan, we got to go. Even when things seem perfect, even when everything is going great, even though finances are order and family is happy, we've got to pry ourselves out of the Jordan and follow God to where he's calling us. There's no better place than in the center of God's will. I believe for this church and for this community of believers, it can be so, so easy for us to just stay in the middle of the Jordan where we 
are. It can be so easy just to cry, try and keep our feet planted the way they, they are and, and the way that always things have always been, the good old days. And it's easy to stay here because we've seen God work. We've seen him perform wonders. We've seen him split the Jordan. But maybe God is calling us to step into the promised land. God may be calling us to pry ourselves out of where we are and take a step into where he's calling us. I believe that God has great wonders in store from C1 Naz. What about you? I think he has great wonders in store for us. I believe that our best days are ahead of us, but we have to decide to tear ourselves out of the Jordan and step into the promised land where he's calling us. If we want to walk into the promised land, we have to pry ourselves out of the Jordan. I want to end with a story just a couple of weeks ago, um, our young adult small group, we gathered together and we were, we're doing a study on prayer. And we went around the circle and each one of us shared a story about how we've heard God speak in our lives. Like how we've heard him like visibly, visib- vividly and almost audibly speak in our lives. And everyone, pretty much everyone shared a story. Um, but Annie shared a story that's been sticking with me that I'd never heard before. And she shared the story and it fits perfectly with what we're talking about. She said she was on a mission trip to Africa back when she was in middle school or high school and she went with her church and she went all the way out there for a mission trip and it was in the first couple of days that she tripped and ended up injuring her knee pretty bad. It was like the first or second day. And she hurt her knee. So throughout the next week and a half, Andy, Annie had to be secluded to her room because she couldn't even walk. Her knee was hurt that bad. And it's in those days where she was all by herself in her room Nobody to talk to. Everybody was out doing good things, working, in, working on the f- mission field, and Annie was all by herself. And it was in those moments that she grew discouraged and lonely and depressed, and she was just calling out to God saying, why did you bring me here just to lay here, just for me to get injured? Why am I here? And she says, God, I'm just so lonely. I'm so sick of this room. God, I just need your help. Just let me just walk outside. She said, God, if you could just help me Send someone to help me just walk outside, just where I can sit and just breathe the fresh air. I'm so sick of this room. And as she was praying that prayer, God just sent someone to help me outside because she couldn't walk on her own. She heard God speak to her in an audible voice and say, if you want to walk outside, you got to put your shoes on. And she heard that voice so vividly and and clearly as I'm speaking to you today. If you want to walk outside, you have to put your shoes on. And so Annie did what God said, and she tied her shoes on. And she didn't even finish tying the last knot in her shoe when there was a knock at her door. And someone from the mission trip walked in, and 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 this girl said, Hey, I just felt like I just needed to come and talk to you. Do you need anything? And Annie said, Yes. Can you please help me get outside? And just like that, God answered her prayer. If you want to walk outside, you got to put on your shoes. I believe that God is saying the same thing to us. If you want to enter our greatest days yet, in your personal life, if you want to see where God is calling you, if you want to enter into the promised land, if you want to be at the center of his will, you got to pry yourself out of the Jordan. we got to put our shoes on and allow God to help us outside. Even though it's comfortable, everything makes sense, God may be calling us out, calling us to something greater. we got to tear ourselves out of the Jordan. It's going to be hard. It's going to be painful, difficult. But we may even have to lean wholly on God 
But the only way we're going to get into the promised land is by coming out of the Jordan. I think Nathan's going to come now. We're going to sing just one song, just a few verses. I just want to say that the altars are open this morning if you'd like to come. I don't know where you are, but I know where this church is. I think that we can all agree that our church is coming upon a new horizon. I think we've been standing in the Jordan for a long time. We've seen God work. We've seen good things. And we can remember those things. We should continue to give God praise for those days. But I feel like there's some people in this room today that are saying, you know what, it's probably time for me to step out of the Jordan and step into the promised land. Maybe you feel like your whole life is just unknowns. You've been doing a lot of wandering and you feel like there's no hope. Maybe God's calling you forward this morning and saying, hey, just follow me. Keep your eyes fixed on me and trust that I'm going before you. Maybe you see the river flowing in front of you. It seems impossible and you're saying, God, I just need a wonder. I need a miracle. And you just want to come forward this morning and draw close to God and watch as he sets your feet on dry ground. Maybe you just want to come forward and just give God thanks and just remember all that he's done for you and how his spirit has helped you in the past. Church, I believe our best days are ahead of us. I believe God has a plan for each and every one of us. But it's time to put on our shoes so we can walk outside. It's time to step out of the Jordan so that God can lead us into the promised land. The altars are open this morning. As Nathan sings, would you come?